Hello everyone, my name is Monica Gleberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. I guess I want to start off first with how you got involved to begin with with Outlander. So it was actually a cool little moment in in life, I suppose. Basically, I was it was during lockdown over here, and like and as the world was, and I was actually working in a local supermarket just to like get through lockdown life because obviously a lot of acting work had dried up and like things weren't happening. And the edition came up, and I did the tape, and then two weeks later, I was on the ridge. And it was like very, very quick. It was very painless. I'll be honest, I didn't expect that I would get it. I was like, ah, they'll want someone else as it always is. And then when it came up, yeah, it was really exciting when it came in and like literally did the audition. And it was the scene, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the scene that I do with Sam and Richard on the steps. And it was slightly similar to that. And sent it off and found out about a week later and the week after that, I was up for costume fittings and wig fittings. And yeah, it moved very quickly. So literally one week you're trying to get jobs working in a supermarket (laughs) and then a week later you're like literally on one of the biggest shows and getting fittings. Yeah. That's crazy. It was mad and it's like I've heard a lot of stories like it so to actually like have my life become one of those stories even for a small moment was very very cool yeah it was just awesome well you know it's funny too because like you go down kind of like with these shows in history right like so you could be on it for like one episode you could be on it for five it's like everybody will always come up to you and be like oh my god you were like oh my god oh my god you know like freak out which is I mean how cool is that it is cool yeah it's it's definitely been like I've had one moment so far where I was actually at a friend's wedding and we were talking and she had mentioned that I just uh, finished Outlander and her friend loves it. And she was like, I thought I recognized you. And I was like, ah, okay, here we go. This is what it feels like. That's cool. A lot of people, like we've had people come to see the show that I just finished in London and like recognize me in there. And the fans have been amazing. It's funny too. Cause I remember when I first saw you like pictures, I'm like, wait, who does he play? And I was like, you know, this is like back when they gave us screeners and stuff. And I was like, who is it? And I'm like looking and then I'm like, oh my God, they made you look so different. So like, it took me like a second to like realize that it was you. I was like, oh my God, that's who he's playing. I mean, you are so good in it. And I know like, obviously, you know, there's more to story to him, but like for starters, before we get, I guess like ahead of myself, what was it like, or what drew you into playing him? Because he's a very obviously complex character and yeah. has a little bit of drama that seems to surround him. So how do you approach that as an actor? And like like you said, literally you're working hard to try to be an actor and then you get this job. So like, what is, what's your process? The scene that was obviously sent for the audition didn't give too much away about him. It was interesting because from that scene, you know that there is a accusation being made. There is an assumption that he is attached to the death and all that stuff. And we were told about that. We weren't told who. We weren't told what. We weren't even told one thing about the Christies. It was just like very like, here it is. So that was pretty cool to play that kind of like, well, I know that I'm being accused. So something obviously happens. And then when I got the job and got sent through the scripts, I was like, oh, okay, he really is accused of something. Okay. So it was really nice for me to like, dive into this character kind of blind like I knew the franchise and I've what I'm a fan of the franchise and stuff and um, of the tv series like I'll be I'll admit now on record that I didn't have time to read the books and stuff for in that time frame 
I want to go back and read them and see like, because I see so much has been not missed, but can't be on TV or for whatever reason. So it'd be cool to see all that and read all that. But like for me, what was in front of me, it was just, even though there were little bits, it was like little layers of people were talking about my character, which was cool because obviously there's, as I say, the accusations are there to be in that compromising position for that little beat was just, it was just, it really, I don't know, it kind of like, there was something about it. I just was like excited about playing that and seeing what I could do and what could I bring. And the directors were brilliant and other actors were brilliant and some who had read the books and were like, try this, try that and all this. So it was like a real collaborative process and it was really nice on set to have other people's inputs and like realizing that I kind of became two characters for the price of one and all the, in the story. And it was that, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was really, as an actor, it was fun to play. Yeah. And what was it like, you know, I just like, I can't picture like if it was me, like suddenly getting this job, you walk, you get all your fitting right. But then it becomes real. I feel like when you like walk on set and you get, you get the best part because you're walking on set where it's like full ridge houses built, you know, really where it's starting to, you know, when I spoke to Richard and I spoke to say it, like, you know, when we did like all the interviews, I was saying how it really looks like the beginning of a neighborhood. Like I could see where like the little bones are starting. So you get to come in at that point, which is awesome. Like to see like the whole thing. So what was it like? Your It was so cool. The sets are so intricate and so detailed. And like, even like the area it's all filmed in is just, it's so clever and it's, it's, it doesn't feel like a set. It feels, it feels like location. It feels like they've found this little like tented village or like this little area that people actually live in. And like the church where I spent most of my time and the meeting house where I spent most of my time, it was so cool just seeing it and like going, someone's built that. And that's like really authentic and really the design team and the production team must have like, really really had to do so much research for it because it was just incredible and to walk onto that and to just be like okay okay here we are we're, we're on the ridge I've seen bits I've seen the ba- the basics here and then looking down from where the the meeting house is you can see like Christieville or where the f- uh, fisher folk and all that and it was just like it's just it is like a, as you say a neighborhood and it's fascinating and when I first saw the big house I knew it was called the big house but I didn't realize how big said big house was going to be and I was like whoa that's mad so like it was like as you say walking onto a neighborhood and just being the new kid on the block a little bit and finding my feet around it and people were so comfortable with the whole thing and it was like oh you're going the wrong way come this way like there's a shortcut here and I was like okay it's really magical actually yeah in the finale you know which I obviously saw early all of the stuff that was happening I was going oh the beautiful house like the poor production team that had to build that and now you're like destroying parts of it and you know obviously if you read I, w- I won't give it away for you but if you read more yeah. of the books the more things happen to that house and yeah so I was like this poor production team that has to build all this stuff and then like ruin it I can't imagine like what that was like did anybody come up to you and because I also feel like the other thing I kind of picture it is like when you're the new kid on the block like I've been on sets before where I come in and I'm like and I don't know anything and I don't know where I'm going and there's like signs put up and there's little golf carts going by and stuff and I'm obviously where you are it's probably a little more difficult for that but you know you're walking around there's people in costumes walking by me (laughs) I'm like hi like you know like and and then you see these like big people that you've been watching on tv like walk by you and I'm like hey how you doing so did anyone like kind of come up to you or as you're doing scenes like you did the one with Sam or the one in the church 
uh, or you had a few in the church, but like as those scenes are coming up, are people kind of like joking around in between and trying to make you feel comfortable or how does that work? Cause you are like the new kid that walks in. Yes, it was really nice actually. So my first day on set with John was the fight scene with young Ian. We had met like a couple of days before we'd rehearsed the fight and stuff, but this is the first time on set. So it was the first time seeing him as young Ian. It was pretty cool to like see him in his Mohawk costume and like, it wasn't now John, it was young Ian. I was a bit like, it's so cool. He was really, really welcoming. And because he was the first person I met, um, I kind of like clung to him a little bit, being like, be my friend. But, uh, and it was, it was so lovely. I can't speak highly enough of him. And then the day that I had with Richard and Sam, I just remember one moment when they were like turning around at one point, the runners brought us, brought us some food. It was like a long day. And Sam and I just sat and had like nachos on the porch of the big house. And I don't know if you'll ever remember this, but it really stuck with me because I was like, this is his house. And I'm sat here having nachos with Jamie Fraser. This is cool. We're in costume. We're sitting, enjoying ourselves. And it was just like, we just sat and we had fun and we were talking like little hobbies. Like we spoke about sport and Formula One and stuff. And we just, it was just really nice. It was like the whole team were so welcoming and it didn't feel, although I was, it didn't feel like I was the new kid. It felt like I'd been there for a few years. And it was like really nice to be a part of that. I know you can't really say much right like if there's any few I don't know if they're gonna like you know there's a lot in the books about your character so I didn't know if they were gonna show maybe more in the future like for next season at all I know a couple episodes they kept from the season that will be airing next season so are we gonna see any or you like or you can't say anything <laughs> so I can't say I generally just don't know yet I know they're filming stuff now but they obviously do it in blocks and everything like that so for me as far as I'm aware I don't think I'm in season seven which really is like oh hopefully I get a phone call in the next couple of weeks and be like can you come back up and I will happily say yes for now I don't think Obadiah appears in series seven but we'll see we'll see where they go they always and that's the other really cool thing too is like there's so many flashbacks and there's so much stuff that a lot of times you'll see a character and then you haven't seen them for like two seasons and then all of a sudden they're back yeah. You know, like whether it's a flashback or like new scenes or they come back into the picture, like just yeah. how the storyline goes, they just kind of come back in. So I guess it's like an always like revolving door, right? Like as long as you're not like killed, yeah. <laughs> there's always, and, and even when you're killed, you can yeah. still do flashbacks. But I mean, at least you have like the opportunity of coming back, which is cool. Yeah. And it'd be cool to, I'd love to go back now being a bit more experienced and a little bit less deer in headlights, as I would say, like, I feel as though. I really, really loved the experience, but I learned so much. And even watching what's come out now, I'm going, oh, okay, that's what they meant there. Like, so little things are clicking into place. So like, this was my first like big TV job. So it was, it was really exciting. And like, I'd done a little thing before. So to just keep learning and just to learn from the likes of Sam, Richard, and even like John, everyone that was there, like, it was just, yeah, it was brilliant. It was really, really cool seeing like, how it all comes together and how they can break characters so quickly. It was the most fascinating. I was like, I need to have a couple of minutes here. <laughs> but like, uh, they just drop in and out and it's, it's fascinating, really. So we'll see, we'll see. I'd love to be back if they'll have me. <laughs> I hope so. So obviously I saw you at the RCS Gala. So, yeah. I wanna, so I wanted to ask you, you know, why did you want to participate in it? You know, and for people that are listening that don't know, and I've kind of said this because I also talked to Joanne, 
But, you know, Supernova is a nonprofit group that came up with the idea of raising money for RCS and the arts to offer scholarships to students that go to the school that's in Scotland to help them with whatever they need financially, whether it's tuition or if you're graduating headshots and, you know, just costs, you know, things that you need. They do a gala every year to kind of honor their donors. They raise more money. I think they're just under 25000 for this year. So I saw you there and I was super excited. Yeah. Everybody, you know, like loves you. <laughs> like, you know, your video and all your stuff. So why do you want to participate in it? And why is it important to support a scholarship like that? I'm a strong believer in giving back to what you've already done. So like, I was very, very lucky that I, before RCS, I went to a, a school called Knightswood. It's part of the Glasgow City Council area. And it's got a school attached to it called the Dance School of Scotland. And it does a lot for young dancers and musical theatre performers, a musical theatre course, which is what I did before I went to RCS. And it's all government funded and it gave me the opportunity that I wouldn't have had if I had went to like normal school, not saying that you can't do it, go into normal school, lots and lots of people do, but I heard about it, auditioned for it, got in. And there was opportunities there and because it was free and because I was able to go there, that's what gave me the opportunity to be a part of it. So like, I know going through any drama school, college, university, there's always a price to pay. We all know that with life. So if someone can have an easier journey and follow their dream, then why wouldn't you want to give back to that? And like, I'm living people's dreams. Like if, if I was never to work again and someone was to look back and said I did Outlander, they'd be like, but that's cool. You've lived the dream. You've done that. And obviously I want to go further and people always want to go more and have more, but that's just the start. And I'd like to start giving back now from the little experience I have and just keep giving back because I think you can learn a lot from that. And what Supernova does is give people opportunity that might not always get the chance. And I think you should always have the chance to follow your dream, to be quite honest. That's my staple. If You should be able to do what you want and have the resources there that don't stop you. Like it's, it's, it's difficult to put to words, but that's my cusp of it is we should all have the opportunity to follow our dreams really yeah and it's hard to you because for in the states we don't get any help so like anything would be amazing i mean i have loans that i'm paying probably till i'm like 50 you know it's just it's insane when you think about it but for someone you know like obviously you went through the program and were able to you know get various things from the government and whatnot but for students that get into that school that might yeah. not have that opportunity how much of like a life-changing scenario is that if someone's like, hey, we could cover your tuition or hey, we could cover, you know, when you graduate your headshots and things like that? It just relieves, releases, uh, relieves you of a stress. For example, when you're in your final year at RCS, we do, or what I did, we did a Glasgow showcase and a London showcase and the American students who, or if you were eligible, could do a New York showcase. When you go to London, the school can only provide so much. So like they can put you up for one night before the showcase. But then you probably have to, you have to get there yourself. So you're talking hundreds of pounds on trains, flights, whatever. You're talking, if you have to stay beyond that, if, you, if you're lucky enough to get meetings, you've got to eat when you're there, you know? It's things like that that you don't, and like, yeah, you can save up, but then you've got your rent to pay when you're in Glasgow. So even for just those like couple of weeks that you have that showcase, it's an expense that because we're in full time, not everyone can get employment. Not everyone can think oh I'll go, and, I'll go and get a side job I'll go and do this it's it's because you're in eight till eight every day Monday to Friday 
then you have to rest so that you can go back and do it again. It's it's a lot. So it releases, it relieves you of a lot of stress. It's just one less to think about, one less thing to think about, and one less worry to have. If you know that you've got someone there that is being so generous and able to help you, then you can focus on what you've got to do, which is be the best you can, listen to your training and do it to the best of your ability. And then you've the finances are there. The the hard part is there you can concentrate on what you're good at in a way in 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 what I'm is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You can concentrate on the main thing. Yeah. And it seems like the school seems to pump out stars because I mean yeah. so many people like take off from it. So I guess for you, you know, obviously hopefully I'm crossing my fingers that Outlander, you know, calls you and who knows, maybe even season eight, like, you know, you just never know, but what are you doing now? So, cause I know a lot of people go, oh, you know, I'm a big component of the arts. I'm a huge, just hugely into the arts. So I know that people go, oh, he's on Outlander, he's set. But that's oh, no. not really how like, you know, it all works. So now that you're kind of like in between, right? You might go back down and you don't really know if you're not, you're auditioning. So like, what are you currently doing now? Just like in the auditioning process? So I actually, so after Outlander, I was really lucky. Like last year was like the luckiest year or not luckiest year, the best year. She needs to stop saying it was lucky. It was an amazing year. And I was very lucky, but it was the best year I've had out. And I had a, a year's contract in a play in London, um, a comedy and did that. I finished that about three weeks ago. So it's just been additions. And I've been very, very lucky that I've been still getting additions and got stuff coming in. But my fiance and I, we run a children's theatre company. So we were like running, I'm helping back, helping running that. I'm probably going to have to start looking for another job that will then be able to help pay bills and all that kind of stuff. But like, for me, I don't mind talking about it because it's the career I chose. I knew what it was all about. And it's, it is the reality, not for every one person that is bouncing between acting jobs. There's another person who works once a year and then does other things. That is the reality of the industry until obviously there's a certain line, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way, where you cross that line and then you kind of have a, maybe a few years where you don't need to do like another job. You can just act, which is great. But that line is always moving because as you said, some people get a lot of work and then all of a sudden everyone thinks you're booked or thinks you're busy. So they don't offer you, they don't see you. But actually you're sat there twiddling your thumbs doing, doing not doing much. So it's like the best industry, but it's also like the hardest, in my opinion, that you've just got to keep that mental block and keep going. And anyone who's listening who is in that situation, you're not alone. Everyone does it. And it's it's part and parcel. It's it's uh, humbling almost. Well, I wanted to ask two things. What was your, you know, and I wanna, I know I wanna respect your time. So what was your favorite part of being on Outlander? And then my other question is, how can people support the workshop that you're doing? And where can people go if they want help and kind of donate even to you to try to like support children in the arts? First bit, my favorite part in Outlander was, I, I think it has to be genuinely the, the, my first day with John. It was just like, that's where reality hit in. I was like in my trailer, I was wigged up. I was like, got my makeup done. I was getting my costume on and I was just like, okay. I actually have this job. It's not like some prank that's got out of control. I'm actually going on set. I've done the rehearsal. And as I say, it was so welcoming and just so amazing. And um, I kind of suppose a second favorite part of it was that, that in episode eight, that big scene where everyone's running. It was like, a, it was a night shoot and uh, it was so cold. It kind of, we started like in like the evening and then about three in the morning, we just turned around. And by the time we walked around back around to the other side of the big house, all the mud had frozen and it was like minus six. It was freezing, but 
we were all kind of like laughing and it was quite a joyous moment because we were just like a lot of us were in the same position as me where we're going this is just so cool we're acting we're doing stuff we're getting like time to do what we want to do this is class that was like the the best part was just having those two moments side by side really and how can donate to workshop we are looking into it. I, I think you have to have charity status. So we're looking into that kind of thing at the moment. We only started three terms ago. So what's that? Last April, we've just had our first birthday. And our whole ethos, it's called Popcorn uh, Musical Theatre Workshops. We are on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And we're based in Surrey, which is in just south of London. We are looking at what we can do. But our whole ethos is that every child has the chance to pop, essentially. Like popcorn, like children. Every child has a chance to pop. People think it's cheesy. We think it's cheesy, but we love that because, well, because what we believe is that when you're from a young age, you don't know what you want to do. You don't know what things are going to happen in your life. So no matter who you are, what you are, just come and have fun and like explore your imagination. Like our little ones that my fiance runs, Emma runs, are three to six year olds. And we do this thing called Poppy's Adventure, which is our little mascot. And we take them on a little adventure through their imagination. And tonight, actually, we're with them tonight. And they're doing Wizard of Oz as part of their little section of the show. So we did a whole thing where they had to go and find one of the munchkins that got lost. And they, the kids, their imagination was like going wild. And Emma became the munchkin. And she was like just taking them around stuff. And it was just it was just fascinating to see little people and little children just being so fascinated with their imagination and it's not something that you always get in normal school. So it's like an expression that you can use out with. And we hope to provide that to more and more schools and tools to do that. So I'll keep you posted if we ever get charity status and stuff. But I know that there's many charities that support that. I can't name them off the top of my head. But there's lots of grants and funds. So if anyone is able to give, I'm sure it'll be greatly appreciated. And yeah, I'll keep you posted if we ever get that status that we can take donations. Okay, great. So basically, we have to just follow you online, keep our fingers yeah. crossed that we see you yeah. in projects, bigger things, more Outlander, maybe following your, I mean, I think that's amazing, everything they do with the children. So, and I like that, but like the pop idea, I think it's cool. I, don't I, think love, it's easy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So everyone will just have to like, stay tuned to your Twitter and Instagram and we'll, yeah. like, we'll stay for updates and everything. So that's so great. Thank you for listening to Silence on Set podcast. My name is Monica Gleberman. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more interviews to come. Oh.